It's time. It's time. Time to get in the zone. Time to get in the zone. With the 49ers web zone. This is the No Huddle Podcast with Al, Zane, and Brian. You see this face and you hear this voice, you know it's the opposite. Uh, I'm Al Sacco. I'm Brian Renick and Zane Knockby. This is the last time we'll open the show up with that until next year when they win and then Zane will start doing his thing again. Uh, guys, it is the off season, but there's never, there's always something to talk about because it's the 49ers. So I wanted to start out today. We're going to talk about the DC search and D'Amico Ryan's, but I want to start out with the QB stuff and Tom Brady retired. And I don't want to really make this a Tom Brady thing and all oh, thanks, Tom, whatever. I'm, he had a great career. I'm glad he's gone to be honest with you. I'm sick of Tom Brady. <laughs> it's been two decades. So Mike Francesa is basically like, like a, he's a skip Bayless for the Northeast, right? That's essentially what he sure. is. And if yeah. you look at his tweets and if you look at like what people have replied to Mike Francesa, like it's just the most ridiculous stuff. He'll, he'll have some off the wall opinion. And then somebody will come back and be like, Hey, do you think that the uh, big Bambino and Childish Gambino will ever form a team together and take on the green Bay Packers? It'll be something ridiculous like that. <laughs> and it's just, it's just the funniest thing. I think that, um, so, so again, Mike, uh, at work, I made a Slack channel dedicated to Mike Francesa and his de- his ridiculous rants called nice. Thanks, Mike Francesa. It's, it's actually really funny. So That's super, funny. super dedicated to my craft. But we were talking about QBs, right? And, and Tom Brady mm-hmm. and the impact that he's had. And I think that when it comes to Brady, he's put 23 years in the league. Like, you got to give your flowers to him, right? Like, seven Super Bowls, in many ways, the greatest quarterback of all time. And in terms of the, the standard now of quarterbacking, that will be the standard going forward, right? Is Tom Brady and his seven sure. Super Bowls. He's, he's retiring with every meaningful passing record that you could think of. And I think that you could, you will find very few people in any profession, in any sport around the world that have been better than Tom Brady. There, there's nobody that did it better in the NFL for the, the extent of time that he did, right? And the longevity plus all of the the, the accomplishments, you have to – you have to acknowledge that despite what we feel about him. You have to acknowledge that. I will say that I'm sad that I didn't get to see him play in a 49ers uniform. I was hoping that would happen, but it just didn't line up. And and that being said, we did want to kind of discuss where does Tom Brady rank, right? That sounds silly, right? But like in terms of like our perception, the impact of Tom Brady and like where he kind of ranks amongst all-time quarterbacks. And I feel like, look, I will – forever be a Joe Montana truther. I'm a Michael Jordan truther. No matter what LeBron does, Al knows this about me. And anybody who follows me on Twitter, I'm a LeBron hater. That's fine. And <laughs> I'm not a Brady hater though, right? I, I appreciate him. But that being said, if you look at impact, impact on the game versus like accomplishments, I think those are two different things, right? And in terms of coaching, it's, it, to me, it's very easy. I feel like Bill Walsh was the greatest coach of all time because yeah. of his impact on the game. He played, the, he changed the way offenses played. He has mm-hmm. a whole coaching tree that to this day, like he died in 2007. To this day, he still has a coaching tree that is alive in the NFL. And Someone his from his tree offense, is in the Super Bowl right now. Exactly. He's in the yeah. Super Bowl. And he had yeah. he had someone from his tree in the Super Bowl last year too, and Sean McVay. So it's right. that to me, impact versus accomplishments. Bill Belichick is a more accomplished coach. Mm-hmm. Bill Walsh was a more influential coach. And if you look at quarterbacks, Tom Brady, mm-hmm. more accomplished quarterback, right? But to me, Joe Montana, the way that he did it, four Super Bowls, no interceptions, 11 touchdowns, still holds the record for most points in, in a Super Bowl game to this day. In this era of scoring offense, you could argue that Joe Montana, without him, there would be no Tom Brady. 
right? And that's not to say Brady isn't the greatest ever, right? I'm not saying that, but I'm saying in terms yeah. of impact, like Montana's got to be right up there, like top two. You know, it's interesting. Uh, the NFL uh, NFL's Twitter account tweeted out when he when he retired yesterday, which, by the way, that retirement uh, announcement that he made came literally one year to the day from last year when he announced his retirement, and then forty days days later he came back. I don't I don't anticipate him coming it's weird back. Timing. Yeah, it yeah. is weird timing, and I don't anticipate him coming back. And and to a certain extent, I wonder if like part of his part of the timing was just a respect for the game, right? That he didn't want to drag this out. He didn't want to, you know, the off season to revolve around is Brady going to retire? Is he not? What teams is he going to go? Like, I think he was just like, you know what guys I'm done. I'm going to the booth, whatever. It'll be interesting to see how he is in the booth. Um, I'm the one thing that I don't feel like we got from Brady very much was just any, any real indication of personality, right? The really, the only thing we got from him is, is he's the, an incredibly intense competitor and i imagine he's going to take to the booth the same kind of intensity and attention to detail that he took to the field and it was interesting i was listening to uh the athletic football show has uh has one called the i think they call it the gm show with mike sando and randy mueller uh who is a former nfl gm and they were talking about brady and uh they uh Mueller talked about how one year when he when he got to ESPN he got to go visit training camps which he'd never really done before because he was the GM of a team or he was a scout for a team right and so he was always part of a team and so he didn't get to go to other training camps and so he went to a Patriots training camp and this was this was um I, I want to say Brady may have only had the one Super Bowl and like one Pro Bowl, right? And and so he was kind of he was on that upward trajectory, but you know, he wasn't the Tom Brady that we know. But one of the, one of the things that he talked about is how insanely detailed Brady was in terms of his preparation and even in his practice. Like this is a guy who had won a Super Bowl, he'd already been to a Pro Bowl, right? And and I feel like the minute that you do those two things, the minute that you do that you do those two things, then it then all of a sudden you are, you know, you're a superstar in this league, right? Especially as a Super Bowl winner. Um, and it like he was he was detailed down to like an extra, you know, step in in footwork and and things like that. And so I imagine he's going to take that that kind of of detail to the booth. But the one thing that I thought was interesting is, like I said, the NFL uh, tweeted out. Uh, just some stats, right? And like you said, Zane, in terms of accomplishments, no one better. There, I mean, you just can't argue that. Um, but seven-time Super Bowl champion, five-time Super Bowl MVP, three-time league MVP, 89,214 regular season passing yards, which is first all-time, 649 regular season touchdowns, first all-time, 13,400 playoff passing yards, first all-time, which... I guarantee if you look that up in terms of like starting quarterbacks, there are starting quarterbacks who didn't have a career in the NFL and mm -hmm. through that. And that was his playoff numbers first all time. And then 88 playoff touchdowns first all time. I did the math on that just because I'm a nerd like that. That's 107,000 and change passing yards, which is 15,840 miles that he threw the football. Francesca, I would hear Francesca's he's like a skip bayless he, he, he's not 
he says what he is, but he's not a Skip Bayless like shot guy. But what he did say was he said that when he thinks of quarterbacks down to down Sunday to Sunday, Peyton Manning was the best regular season quarterback you saw. And I think you could make that argument. I don't think that's a crazy argument at all. And he said the best Super Bowl quarterback ever was Joe Montana. And I think that's also an argument that you could make. And I'm I'm on the if I had to pick quarterback for one game or one season to be Montana, I will never get off of that. I'm always on that. So I went and I looked up and I just wanted to take a look because because Brady and Montana are obviously both both amazing what they did. Now, Joe Montana in 12, he was a primary starter for 12 years. OK, he made seven conference title games. He was a three time all pro. He was a two time MVP and he was four and oh in Super Bowls. Brady played 21 years where he was a primary starter. He won three MVPs. He was a three-time All-Pro, and he made 14 conference title games, and he won seven Super Bowls. So what I was thinking about was, obviously, the the era is different, and Brady was able to play, and quarterbacks are able to play in their 40s right now, whereas Montana got his ass kicked. If Montana played, or let's say the era was the same in terms of protecting quarterbacks and the defense and everything in the 80s and 90s, and Montana played on those 90s 49ers teams, would he have been similar to Brady? And I think so. I think you could argue Joe might have gotten seven with that. And I thought that was a really interesting kind of a fun debate because you had Brady is the GOAT because of what he's accomplished. But if you had to take quarterback for one season or one game, is he was he better than Montana? I don't know. I don't know that he was. So I thought that was a pretty fun argument. If you think of, you know, Montana on those 90s teams, would the Niners have won more? I think they might have because Steve Young, I love him. But if you look at Steve Young's playoff stats, if you take out that 1994 year and it happened, but he had um, nine TDs and that passes and no interceptions. Other than that, Young had 10 TDs and 12 interceptions in a five and five playoff record other than 1994. And you got to figure maybe Montana would have done it's a little bit better than that. So I just thought that was a little bit interesting and kind of a cool thing to talk about, um, you know, just a debate or whatever. Well, and, and here's the other thing about Brady um, and, and Nate Tice posted this on Twitter and it's, it's more, I think, I think he's just looking at it at, for Belichick because he goes all the way to 2022. But he but he took a screenshot of uh, Pro Football Reference and he did the New England Patriots from 2001 to 2022. Right, 2001 was the year that that Brady became quarterback. And in 2001, the Patriots finished first in the NFC East. In 2002, they finished second. And then from 2003 to 2007, they were first. In 2008, they were second. In 2000, from 2009 to 2019, they finished first in the NFC East. And they never won with Brady at quarterback less than nine games. And that night, those nine games, that was 2002. So mm-hmm. th- just, just an incredible run, just an incredible run. And, you know, honestly, like, like you said, is he, it, it's hard to argue that he's not the greatest regular season quarterback, even though Francesa says Peyton Manning, right? Because I mean, that's just such sustained excellence. And you don't get that if you're, you know, you're, you're throwing out three quarterbacks every season, right? Which is something that we've experienced right. quite a bit in the recent, in, <laughs> in the recent past. And so, yeah, just, I mean, you know, what is more impressive? You won seven, but you lost what one? Lost two, three, three, I believe, right? Three, three Super Bowls, right? 
Yeah. What's more impressive that you got to 10 Super Bowls and you won seven of them or that every Super Bowl that you got to four, you won. Well, with Brady Never with lost. the Super Bowls too. Now you guys got me going. He yeah. is, he is also, listen, he's great. He is great. I'm not saying he's not a great player. He makes a lot of his own luck, but he's also maybe one of the most fortunate players that I've ever seen in any sport ever. And even if you look at his Super Bowls, he's about three plays away from, well, in the Super Bowls themselves, he's two plays away from being five and five. If Kyle mm-hmm. Shanahan runs the ball on second and one, they probably lose that game. Yeah. If mm-hmm. if Seattle runs the ball instead of throwing it, they probably lose that game. They're five and five. And then there's the tuck rule. So he's had so many like games where he's so lucky. And even the Rams Super Bowl was garbage. Would they went 10 to three or whatever that was, 13 to six, yeah. whatever the hell the score was in that game? Mm-hmm. Like, so here's the thing, man. Has he ever had that Joe Montana? Oh God! Now you guys got me going. The Joe Montana signature, fifty-five to ten ass kicking type game when Joe Montana played the best quarterback and offense in the world in Dan Marino and, and absolutely schooled them. Uh, the legendary drive at the end of uh, Super Bowl twenty-three. There's you know Montana just had these moments. I don't know. Again, Brady's got the resume and he's he's the ultimate winner. But to me, I'm sorry I, if you ask me who the of, of the modern era because I can't talk about Sammy Ball and Johnny Unitas, but of the modern era, it's always going to be Montana for me. I'm, I'm sorry. I don't care how many Brady's won. Uh, I take Montana any day. Man, people are going to they're, they're listen to us be like, oh, you guys think Brady sucks? No, that's not the point. The point is that, like, look, we're, we're, we're splitting hairs here, right? Because we have to. Because I think that when you look at Tom Brady's career, it's kind of fun to poke holes in that, right? It's kind of fun to be like, like, like Al, like when LeBron retires, we're going to do the same thing, right? Like we're going to do the same exact thing that we're doing with Brady right now. And mm-hmm. we did the same thing with Michael Jordan as well. And it's just, it's just what people do to great athletes. Nobody's doubting his greatness, right? Nobody's doubting that he was possibly the greatest football player ever, right? But <clears throat> looking, poking more holes in this because that's, it's fun to do. <laughs> First Super Bowl against the Rams that they won in, in uh, at the end of 2001 season, won by a field goal. Second Super Bowl they won at the end of the 2003 season against the Panthers, won by a field goal. Third Super Bowl they won against the Eagles at the end of 2004 season, won by a field goal. Lost two Super Bowls by one score. Beat the Seahawks by a, by four points, which is one score. Beat the Falcons by one score in overtime. Lost to the Eagles by one score. Beat the Rams by 10 points and beat the Chiefs by a bunch. Beat the Chiefs by, what, 22 points. So I think that the majority of his... Super Bowls, like number one, like I mean, yeah, even his losses have been close, so that's that's credit for that, right? But you don't get credit for that because Niners, the Niners also essentially lost by a score as well, but uh, or in in eleven points, right? A, a, a garbage touchdown at the end. But that being said, like I'm with you, he didn't like he didn't have that signature game where he put up fifty five points or a crazy game. You could say that Eagles game, like he was fantastic in that Eagles game and his defense let him down. Yeah, yeah. But that being said, like I mean, Montana never even threw a pick in the Super Bowl. He went there four times. It just, it was just like the way that Montana did it was so impressive. And this is despite missing essentially three full seasons worth of games, like Montana did for, to, due to various injuries and also them wanting to work in Steve Young. But as, as we famously know, like Bill Walsh was working in Steve Young at the time as well, taking away snaps from Montana. So we don't know what would happen. Now, that being said, like, I think it's hard to argue against the, the numbers. But if you look down, and, and I made this point while you were out, Al, uh, that impact is different than numbers. And I'll reiterate that I think that Bill Walsh is the greatest coach of all time and not Bill Belichick because Bill, Belichick has the accomplishments and the accolades. Bill Walsh has the impact. And to me, like watching sports, this is why I think Michael, Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player of all time. While LeBron may have the accolades at the end of his career, scoring, assists, whatever, whatever he leads in, 
Jordan, his impact and what he did at the time changed the game forever. Just like Bill Walsh, the impact that he, that he had at the time changed the game forever. That 49ers dynasty in the 1980s and, and also 90s as well, when they, when they were at the tail end of it, changed the NFL in so many ways. And I will say it again, without Joe Montana, there is no Tom Brady because he's not following in anybody's footsteps. Well, impact, I mean, that's the argument for Roger Craig being a Hall of Famer, right? He impacted the sport in a way that nobody else had at that time. And the fact that he's Mm -hmm. still not in the Hall of Fame is an absolute travesty. And, you know, Al and I got to talk with Mike Sando about it. And, you know, Sando, Sando kind of threw out some numbers that made it seem like Craig's candidacy wasn't necessarily quite Hall of Fame worthy. But like I said, I, I don't know how you I don't know how you ignore impact. I don't know how you ignore the fact that Roger Craig paved the way for Marshall Falk. He paved the way right. for Christian McCaffrey. He paved the way yep. for, you know, Ricky Waters. He paved the way for Ricky Waters, yep. right? Ricky Waters isn't in the Hall of Fame, but he's a incredible running back that I think so many 49er fans forget about. So yeah, I think impact and and part of it is you just can't you, you can't quantify impact really like mm-hmm. in terms of trying to compare people, but it's there. I mean, we're human beings. We can recognize it. And the fact that, that people don't is kind of infuriating in terms of Roger Craig, but, but yeah, I mean, kudos to Tom Brady. Part of, part of his legacy is, is just the longevity and the durability. Right. And Hey, as 49er fans, we know how important quarterback durability is. Right. And, yeah. and he has it. And so, um, and and that's why lots of people thought, hey, you know what? He's going to go one more year and he's going to go to San Francisco. It's set up perfectly for him. You know, this this offense is ready for him. Kyle Shanahan is ready for him. I was hoping. Yeah. But hey, yeah. but hey, maybe Tom Brady's like, you know what? I'll probably get injured there. And so I'm not going to go. <laughs> you know, yeah. but now. So, I mean, transitioning to this quarterback stuff now, guys, obviously that Brady domino falls and that was going to be there all offseason. And now it's it's thankfully <laughs> it, it's not. And when you listen to Kyle and John the other day in the press conference, really sounded to me like Brock is their guy. And it sounded to me like they expect him to be back and at full strength in the, in the six months right around training camp. So I think a couple of days ago, there was a lot of where the Niners going to go at quarterback. My opinion on it now is that they're going to stick with Brock and Lance and they may bring in a vet, especially if they're not sure if Brock's going to be there. So you, by a vet, I mean like you could see like an Andy Dalton, maybe a Sam Darnold, maybe take a flyer on a guy like that where they would bring in just in case, in case Purdy's not going to be ready. Nobody Carson crazy, Wentz, but maybe. Well, who's that? Carson Wentz. If he gets let go. No, I think, no. I think like Brissett, more guys. I, I don't think, I don't I think Brissett is a great that. idea by the way. Yeah. Somebody I like, like, I like Brissett a lot. I think or, or Bridgewater. Yeah. One he's well. another one that maybe, but you um, know who I really like that. I wish they would have brought in when they have the chance. Tyrod Taylor. Yeah, I really I like I'm a big Tyrod Taylor last season. Yeah, yeah. But I think as long as Brock is healthy, they'll need an arm because Brock's not going to be for OTAs and things like that. But as long yeah. as he's going to be ready, I think he's the guy. And Mayoko said on his podcast, there'd be a lot of pissed off people in the Niners locker room if if Purdy's not the QB. So I agree with that, and I think the proof is what we saw on the field. But what does this mean for Lance? Are people, you know, are pushing him off to the side? Lynch mentioned too, and I thought it was really interesting. Um, that Lance, a lot, something along the lines of that Lance needs to be healthy and he struggled. He needs to prove he can stay healthy. Is that what he said? Prove he can stay healthy. And he's right. This is the, one of the big reasons they moved on from Jimmy Garoppolo 
Lance has been hurt. He's had only had three starts, right? Three starts, four starts, whatever it's been. He's been hurt three times. Once in the preseason, he hit his hand. He hurt his knee in 2021, and then this year he breaks he breaks the ankle. So are they all his fault? I'm not saying that, but he's still been hurt three times already. That's insane. And we talked about the durability of other quarterbacks before. So that's a big issue, and I do think Lance is going to come in behind the eight ball. I think he'll have a chance mm-hmm. to compete. Because he's he's super talented, but I, I think this is Purdy's team as long as he's healthy. I think that that's that's really the way to the way to look at this, right? Is that I don't want to say Trey's a placeholder because look, damn it, I want to I want usage out of my Trey Lance jersey. Okay, I bought it the first day they were available after he was drafted. I want to wear that damn thing before he's out of here. No, I'm just kidding. But I think that it is it is Trey's show to start. But look, if he's if he's just lighting it up and and training camp and and if Brock can't go during the season because we still don't know, despite what dumbass Dove Kleinman tweeted out that this is Tommy John and Brock's out for a year, despite that, we don't know what the timetable is, right? The Niners are expecting six months. Look, I'm unfortunately I I have become a de facto elbow and shoulder expert through my various injuries that I've had in pitching in, in high school and college being a pitcher for, I don't know, 17 years of my life growing up, like I've had every single thing you can imagine aside besides like a torn rotator cuff and a torn UCL. But that being said, like it'll probably be six months before he can even throw. And when he can throw, that's another several weeks to get your accuracy. He will probably come back with more velocity. That's the, that's the good part is that you probably come a couple of MPH on the velo, but you know, we don't know what the timetable is going to be. And if Trey comes up and lights up training camp, and if he has to start a couple of games and it's just is absolutely fantastic, then you got an issue on your hands. You're like, all right, do you bench the hot hand or what do you do? I think that this is a good problem to have, but that being said, like, because they're both, they're both on rookie contracts, which is great. I think that's, that's the best part about all of this. They're right. both on rookie contracts. But the issue that I have here is that you invested so much in Trey and you still don't know what he can do yet. And even if, for whatever reason, if you want to move off of him, nobody else knows what he can do either. So you won't get anything even remotely respectable in return if you ever move off of him, which I don't think they should. So what I said when the Brady thing was going on is that the Niners aren't going to do it. Brady ended up retiring. But what I said was that Trey's going to go into campus QE1 because Brock's still recovering. Then what you're going to have is you're going to have, like Al said, a, a veteran come in to back up Trey. Brock's going to get healthy, and we're going to see where he's at. I think that they'll probably work Brock in uh, depending on what Trey does, they'll probably work him in slowly. But the unfortunate reality is that Trey Lance has a really short leash if he is the starting quarterback. He's going to have a really short leash, and Kyle will not be afraid to pull him because we know what we know about Brock Purdy. And really, I feel for Trey because he's he's a victim of circumstances here where he was QB1, broke his leg, and you end up getting like an amazing performance out of, out of Brock Purdy. right? Even if Jimmy had a great performance, he was gone anyways, right? But this is just the most unlikely of outcomes for Train, and I really feel for him. So I, I don't know what they're going to do when they're both healthy, but it's going to be must see TV for sure. Well, and here's the thing: this is we're recording on uh, Thursday, February second. Brock Purdy still hasn't made a decision on the course of action for this injury, right? He's still getting uh, opinions, and there's two options, right? There's Tommy John which is complete reconstruction and then there's repair and the reason why they think that repair is probably going to end up being the the route they go is because pitchers who get Tommy John get it because 
that injury is from overuse, right? right? Their their ligament has essentially just shredded and they need an entire new ligament. For Purdy, his ligament is fine. It's just a, a traumatic injury that snapped it, right? Which obviously now it's not fine, right? It's a complete tear. Um, but that those are two wildly different timetables. Mm-hmm. If you do the repair, it's six months. If you do Tommy John, it's a year. Well, mm-hmm. if it's a year, that's the entire season. Like he's his 2023 is done. Right. And you know, and and I had tweeted out when it came out that he had a complete UCL tear. You know, I said the unfortunate thing is the biggest knock on Brock Purdy was his arm strength. Um, we talked about how he has enough arm strength, especially in this offense. You know, he was he was hitting outs, you know, he, he was hitting out routes on on the opposite hash outside the numbers, like this offense isn't predicated on throwing the ball 75 yards down the field. So in that regard, his long distance isn't as important. It's the the velocity that he can get on the ball. But at the same time, the motion for a, a quarterback is not the same as, as a pitcher. And the, I, they, they taught and, and part of what they talk about is the reason that a lot of these pitchers come back with increased velocity is because of the concentrated effort that they are putting in in rehabbing that specific arm and the muscles around the elbow and things like that, which, you know, is, is key in, in ligament health. And that's why Debo Samuel didn't tear knee ligaments and, and ankle ligaments in Mm -hmm. that, you know, with his injury, because he's just so damn muscular, you know, in his, Mm -hmm. in his lower half. So I, I I have a question for you guys and I, I, there's no way to answer this, but I, I, I do want your opinion. You know, this season ended the way that it did. We made it back to the NFC championship game. If Trey Lance never gets hurt in week two, do the 49ers make it as far as they did this season? If he's QB one the whole season, there's no way. Cause you don't know what he was, what he was going to, but you don't know how he was going to develop, you know? know. And I think, I think the reason guys, why Purdy, if he's healthy is QB one again, the proof is on the field. So this is of no fault of Lance because he, like we talked about earlier, there's never been a situation where a QB this green with only 300 college attempts hadn't played in two years, had come into a team this good. It's mm-hmm. unprecedented. The guys that had come in and done well as rookies, uh, Roethlisberger, Wilson, they had over 1200, 1400 college attempts. They were three and four year starters. They had played for a long time. This was, we had never seen this before. So it's not fair to Lance, but I will say the three to four games he's played, the offense looked clunky. It did. Yeah, it did. There's no way around that. Again, it's not as necessarily his fault because he's learning and they knew we knew that's what we're signing up for, but the offense looked clunky. Purdy came in, and from the word go, it looked fantastic. So mm-hmm. you're the guys in that locker room. You're a twenty whatever nine year old George Kittle. You're a thirty four year old Trent Williams. Fred Warner's in his you know twenty six, but still getting up there. The the window is is limited. Yeah, these guys do not want to go into another season and say like, oh well, we'll see how Lance develops. When you know, you know, the other dude can come in and put up thirty points and you can win a Super Bowl with him. You already know. We already know. So I think that's where people are too. And where Miyoko says people will be pissed in the locker room. If Lance comes in and he looks like Patrick Mahomes and you're like, all right, well, maybe you can't keep him off the field. But if it's the same thing that it has been, and it probably will be because he hasn't played in three freaking years. Yeah. What these guys are not going to want to do that. They're not going to, they can go out and blow out their ACL and their career's over. They cannot be on the team next year. Whatever it is, they're getting older. They want the guy who's going to help them win. And Purdy has proven he's that guy. So to me, and again, it's not fair to Lance. Lance is QB two if Purdy is remotely ready. 
Yeah. I think yeah. that I mean, it was Brock, the same. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead, Zing. It was the same. It was the same justification that we had. A lot of people had for Jimmy bring Jimmy back and starting him at a, had a trade because it was a known entity, right? And like, oh, well, for those people that supported Jimmy being back and starting in, in 2021, like, well, you know what you can get with him, and that's why we're starting him, right? That's what the, the justification that the Niners had. So it's the same thing where you know what you can get with Purdy. So that's why they they favor him. Also, really quick, circling back to the uh, the, the motion of a pitcher and, and a quarterback. So I play both, right? Like I played quarterback, like whatever, like I played in high school. It's not a high level. Like I, I was I was a pitcher in college, right? So the, the 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 motion for a quarterback, basically you're going like this, right? You're rotating your, your wrist down inwards. Mm-hmm. Motion for a pitcher, like curveballs, you're going like this, right? You're rotating your wrist down outwards. And all that does is it, it, it puts, as I'm flexing here, for it puts a stress on on the UCL ligament on the outside. Yeah, there you go. Um, I'm not as jacked as Al. Though. If you've ever seen Al, he's this guy's jacked, dude. If anybody's pretty ever jacked. seen him, but yeah, he's pretty jacked. <laughs> but that being said, like I think that yeah, when 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 you look at the difference between like Tommy John versus versus what Brock's about to have, it's it's a completely different throwing motion, and it's typically quarterbacks can come back sooner because there's not as much stress on the elbow when you, when you rotate the wrist this way. Right. It's and yeah. and in baseball for, for pitchers, that's the way you throw a screwball, right? You, you rotate your wrist the opposite way, but you know, for, for anybody who, who has had Tommy John surgery in, in baseball, they come back throwing the ball like three or four miles an hour faster. I remember uh, like, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's a lot of examples of, of mm-hmm. guys like that. So mm-hmm. am I expecting that Brock Purdy comes back throwing like Patrick Mahomes? It'd be nice. Right. But <laughs> I think that he will gain a little bit of velocity that will allow him to fit the ball in tighter windows. And that's only to his benefit. Now where he stands with Trey and this whole situation and, and what, what Trey would have, wouldn't have done. Look, Trey didn't have McCaffrey either. Right. So that's sure. the biggest thing. That is literally the biggest acquisition in the NFL this year. It's a great Christian point. McCaffrey. It's a great point. So I would love to see Trey and McCaffrey and Mitchell all back there in the backfield at the same time and, and maybe Debo in an orbit motion. That would be awesome to see. Is it going to happen? We'll see. But like he's going to get a shot in training camp and we'll certainly be, be watching closely. The other thing that Trey has, I, I think one time in the in the four starts that Trey has had, only once were Kittle and Debo on the field at the same time as well. So, right. you know, there's, there's been some, there's been some, some disadvantages for him. Um, I expect Brock Purdy to come back throwing like Henry Rowan Gardner. That's, that's my, uh, <laughs> that's my, that's my anticipation. Movie, that, Fantastic that is a great, I love that. Um, but the other thing, and, and, and before we move on from, from quarterbacks, um, the other thing, you know, you, you talked about it Al. Brock Purdy had 48 appearances in college and Trey had 17. And Purdy had those 48 appearances in the Big 12. Trey had his 17 appearances at Division One AA, right? So mm-hmm. a, a vast, vast difference in experience. And it showed. It showed. And again, through no fault of Trey's, it just is what it is. But here's the thing. The people that talk about, I would love for Trey Lance to come out and look like Patrick Mahomes, right? Because he is far more physically gifted than than Brock Purdy is. And for him to come out and look like that would be great. But if he doesn't, and people lament, you invested all this stuff. If you just swapped them and said they traded up, they traded three first round picks for Brock Purdy, and he, and he played the way he did. He's the second coming of Jesus, right? right but because right. he's a seventh round pick, Everyone's like, who like who cares? Obviously, he can't do it. He was a seventh round pick. 
the thing that you can't measure, right? And when you're scouting players, you cannot measure the intangibles. You cannot measure what's inside and you cannot measure how that player approaches the position, approaches details, approach, approaches practice. And from everything we've heard, he is impeccable in those regards. Not that Trey isn't Trey. That was one of the things that, that, that Shanahan was sold on with Trey was his demeanor was the way he carried himself was his football IQ on the board and things like that. But Purdy has that as well. And then you add that experience and all of a sudden you have a player that is ready to step in right now versus a player who could be incredible, but needs like 17 to 20 more starts to figure that out. And, and, and they don't have that time. That's their fault for, for drafting that guy but that's the reality of the situation and you just feel bad for the kid. But at the same time, he's 23 years old. And if he doesn't get an opportunity here, I'm sure he'll get an opportunity somewhere else. And, and, and I genuinely hope for his sake that, that he balls out and becomes a superstar. And if, if that's for the 49ers, great. But if it's not for the 49ers, you better, you better hope that you have won a Super Bowl with Brock Purdy before that happens. Otherwise it's, you know, it, we're going to burn this place down, but let's, let's transition. Uh, Cause it's been about 35 minutes. We've talked about this quarterback situation, which largely <laughs> is going to be the large, the biggest storyline for the 49ers this off season. So it's not, you know, it, it, we're not beating a dead horse here. Everyone's going to be talking about this for a long time. The big, the big news, obviously D'Amico Ryan's hired as the head coach for the Houston Texans. Uh, I don't know why he would go to a dumpster fire organization like that. I'm a little bit sad, but I do appreciate that he went to the AFC, right? All these coaches that I'm so fond of end up in the AFC and I love it, right? Mike McDaniel, so I can root for the Dolphins, you know, D'Amico Ryan, so I can, you know, root for the Texans from afar, although I don't know if that feels gross to me to root for a, a, a team like that, but it is what it is. Um, I love D'Amico Ryan. So the other big, the other big signing was Vic Fangio officially signed with the Dolphins today. Yep to be their defensive coordinator. And so the 49ers are without a defensive coordinator right now. And there are names out there. It seems like the leader in the clubhouse is Steve Wilkes, who is the interim head coach in, in Carolina, was the defensive coordinator for Matt Rule, and then was the uh, head coach of the Arizona Cardinals for that glorious Josh Rosen season um, that, you know, was god-awful. Uh, but there's other names that that are that are floating out there. Uh, Chris Harris, who is the just got hired by the Titans as their uh, pass game coordinator. Prior to that, was a DBs coach with with the Commanders. Uh, and then there's other names floating. Chris Richard just got released by the Saints. For you guys, to me, Fangio was the hire. Right, he's the premier right. defensive mind in all of football. You know, people, I, I tweeted that out. People love to remind me, like, I didn't know that he prefers a 3-4. And, and it's like, guys, just because a, a coordinator prefers that doesn't mean that he's only going to run that, even if his personnel doesn't fit. Like, it's just, mm -hmm. I think that's the the kind of the dumbest argument. But regardless, how are you feeling with these names that are coming out and possibly Daniel Bullocks, who's on staff right now? And, and there's even... Been Josina, Josina Anderson said something about Chris Kosurik, which yeah. seems odd to me because he's never expressed a desire to be a DC. Um, but how are you feeling about the future of the defensive coordinator spot in San Francisco? 
I think for me, I, I'm to the point where I, I again, I think Kyle Shanahan deserves the benefit of the doubt, whatever he wants to do, because I think he's he's proved that he really obviously he's got three three people on his staff and two former defensive coordinators. The only two he's ever had have been are now head coaches. So yeah. I, I think whatever he does, whether I agree, disagree or whatever, I'm going to be like, OK, because I, I trust what he's done. He does seem to want to promote from within within. So I do have my eye on one of the guys that you mentioned, Brian, who, who have been there. Um, Wilkes, you mentioned he Wilkes was also the Carolina DC in 2017. Um, they went 11 and five that year with the Julius Peppers on the team, I believe a um, couple guys with 11 sacks. And then, you know, Harris, we'll, we'll see. He seems like a few people have been interviewing him. Maybe he's an up and coming guy. Wilkes is definitely the hot name, but I, I kind of can't shake the feeling that Kyle might do something from within the staff just because he's done it before. But again, I don't care. I don't care if I Zane. I'm going to be like, okay, he's, he's, he's done a really good job before. I can't ever argue with any of his hires. People good not job. Brian Greasy. Look I'm what ready. Brian Greasy did. Well, oh, oh, maybe you'd be good, Zane. I don't know. But um, yeah. people, people not Brian. Why is he hiring Brian Greasy? Well, look at, look at what a great job Greasy did this year. Yeah. Garoppolo had his best season. What yeah. Purdy did. So I don't care who he hires. I don't care if he hires. Uh, it doesn't even matter to me. I, 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 he deserves the benefit of the doubt with whoever he puts on a staff at this point. Yeah. And Brian, you, you mentioned, sorry, to cut you off here. Um, okay. You mentioned that uh, in one of your tweets last week that Kyle has an uncanny ability to develop assistant coaches and identify yeah. them. Coaching and, talent, and that's yeah. one of his best qualities is that like his entire time here, he's been able to do that. And really quickly before I, before I give the answer to this, I, I do want to give flowers to D'Amico Ryan's. I mean, what a job he did here. Fantastic yes. job. Like we had our yeah. doubts because he was, he was a position coach and we we're like, he's, He's never done this before. Are we sure he's ready? But not only did he did he do a great job with the with the entire defense, but remember this linebacking group, he coached them, right? He he basically made them a Fred, all pro Fred was all pro Fred, right? He's all world, we know mm -hmm. that, right? But Drake Greenlaw and Aziz Al Shair, he made them into fantastic football players. And Aziz may follow him, right? To to Houston. I, I think and, that's likely, yeah. Yeah. And, and you have all sorts of guys. Like we'll, we'll talk about all the free agents that are coming up that may leave, but like Jimmy Ward, Aziz Al Shair. You know, obviously Jimmy's a free agent. I, I feel like all of those guys are going to Houston. I really do. And all those guys will follow him. But he did such a fantastic job with all this talent where so many other coaches have failed with equivalent amounts of talent. Like he he maximized the ability. Talanoa Hufunga made him a star. Uh, Diamond Lenore made him a really great, really great serviceable cornerback. And the, the constant slot cornerback roulette, like he – Found Jimmy Ward a home where he was happy, right? And and although he did say that he wasn't happy game, <laughs> after the Chiefs game, he was not happy. I'll take that back. Was not after happy. the Chiefs game, he wanted to change. And Kyle, Kyle, in his typical Kyle fashion, was like, "Do you want to? Do you want to sit the bench or do you want to play?" But I think that you might get Chris Husera that that's promoted from within, right? You may get that because he's been successful doing that. I personally, I like Steve Wilkes because I feel like the guys who have coached a team make really good coordinators because they understand things at a macro level and they're able to kind of break it down for a smaller group in a, in a better way. Uh, much like Todd Bowles, right. Where, you know, he was a really great defensive coordinator for, for Bruce Arians and he was able to beat Mahomes uh, before Bowles took over the job in, in Tampa. But I feel like somebody like that would be great. I, I've had my eye on Chris Richard for years, but I feel like he was much better when like a guy like Sherman was on the team and they played that type of scheme. I feel like they're not that type of team anymore. I wouldn't mind that, but really my eyes on, on, I like Steve Wilkes. I, I, my, my money's on Steve Wilkes. I think that that's the higher. 
Well, and and I uh, Akasha tweeted out uh, a friend of the show. Uh, I met. I forgot to mention Mike Sando, friend of the show. But Akash, friend of the show, um, you know, he tweeted out that he feels like Shanahan kind of has uh, an affinity for like young and up and coming coaches, right, that are younger, full of energy, you know, all of that. I get that. I understand that. As a fan, I like the idea of Vic Fangio and I even like the idea of Steve Wilkes almost almost specifically because I feel like those hires aren't going anywhere. Right. I don't want to have to do this every two years. I don't want to have to think about, all right, well, this defense was good again. You know, next year it's going to be great. And whoever's coordinating, then they're going to be a hot name. Right. And maybe they leave, maybe they don't. But maybe after two years, right, they stay good and then they leave again. Right. Because Sala did that. Now D'Amico's done that. And so it's like, as much as, as much as I love the idea of, you know, unearthing coaching talent that, you know, some people may not know. And then all of a sudden they get thrust into this position and, and they become superstar coaching candidates and then they leave. I Vic Fangio is not getting another head coaching job. Steve Wilkes right. probably isn't getting another head coaching job. And mm-hmm. so the continuity I, I think would be, I, I, I crave that, right? Cause I'm like, I don't, I just don't want to have to go through this. And so that was to me, one of the biggest advantages of hiring someone like a Fangio or Wilkes would be, maybe not continued continuity from what you've done now, but they come in and they get established and then they, they go, uh, you know, and, and now you have continuity for two, three, four, five years, however long it may be. So it'll be interesting. Um, you know, like you said, Kyle Shanahan deserves the benefit of the doubt. And I have, I, I don't, I don't have a fear that whoever he brings in, isn't going to be good, um, because he's proven that, that that's not probably going to be the case, but, I would, I would like somebody that, you know, I don't have to worry about becoming, you know, the next, I don't know, Cardinals coach after they fire right. this one after a season or In whatever. Two years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's a great point. And you know, Wilkes, not that he's, I thought he did a good job with Carolina with what he had to work with, but he's probably not mm-hmm. going to coaching job and Fangio, like you said, yeah. took no way at this point. Yeah. Uh, maybe somebody Fangio's like Chris Harris comes in and, yeah, right. What was that? Fangio 64. Is he not, that, is he, yeah. Well, my God, yeah. he was with the Niners 11 years ago or whatever. Yeah. Was now, right. We yeah. started there. So, and, and Kyle mentioned he really wanted continuity with the defense. I, you know, I don't know. I know Fangio does run that three, four, but I feel like they can adjust right at this point. 100%. Like it's kind of, 100%. So I don't really know what happened there. Um, maybe he just felt Miami was, was a better fit. It kind of felt like when he was kind of hanging around the Niners this year or whatever, it was a foregone conclusion. So yeah. I was surprised, but, um, you know, we'll see what happens. I'm to the point with the Niners, Brian, and I said this with the roster too. Other than the quarterback position, which has been kind of the you know, least important position in sports, right? Like, in, uh, like <laughs> unbelievable. They've done a phenomenal job with coaching and the roster yes. and everything else. So yes. it's just to the point where I have the benefit of the doubt or they with them. And even with the quarterback position, they went through three of them this year and they made the NFC Championship game. So it's like if count four in the NFC championship, I don't even want to remember that game. I, I could have put it out of my head, but to get to the NFC championship game, they went through three quarterbacks, which is unheard of, you know, you don't, yeah. it doesn't happen all the time. So they get the benefit of the doubt, man. And whatever Kyle does, I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait to see who the guy is, but whatever. You know, man, honestly, I, I, I feel like I, it feels like we say this every off season and to a certain extent, it's been true or at least the past few off seasons, but this feels like a pivotal off season for this team. And I'm excited to, to talk more about it and kind of 
dig into it more and and next next show we'll look at you know the free agents that the 49ers are going to be losing maybe take a look at some of the some of the possible free agents that they may bring in positions that we think they need to focus on all of that stuff and and that's a lot of fun to look at but it just feels like it, it feels like this is the most pivotal off season that they've had. And we said that last year and we're right back in the same position. Mm-hmm. And so, um, it, and it all stems from still not having that quarterback position figured out. And so the, the hope obviously is that it gets worked out this year and then moving forward, we're, we're cooking with gas. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. It's going to be fun though. It's gonna be a fun off season looking forward to it it's the Niners so it's always interesting so absolutely all right man well until next show I'm Al for Brian and Zane we'll see you later Twenty four hundred sports is an Odyssey company. 